Today we will go over Psalm. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like green herbs. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. You may be seated. As you can see, good morning, church. How y'all doing? Good morning. As you can see, we're trying to get our youth involved um, with reading announcements and reading scripture. They were very nervous, but they did a great job. Tristan and Hannah, uh, they did a great job today. So definitely give them a hand praise one more time. Amen. Definitely, definitely want to keep, keep them encouraged. So I, I appreciate your, your patience there as well. Um, but... Hello, how y'all doing? Feeling good? Amen. All right. So, um, as Hannah read, we're, we're in Psalms this morning, Psalm 37, um, verses 1 through 7. And um, God really laid this on my heart. As our youth, we're talking about patience. Um, that's the fruit of the Spirit that we're working on right now uh, through this month of June. Uh, we're working through patience. So, um, as we're sitting in our classes, as we're sitting just having a conversation, um, it kind of bled over to having a conversation with you all this morning about having patience uh, is Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7. And the title of the, the sermon this morning is called Waiting Room. Waiting Room. How do you respond when you're in your waiting room, waiting for God to heal your body, waiting for God to answer a prayer, waiting for your son to come home, waiting for your daughter to come home, waiting for your spouse to get right? How are you dealing with that waiting room? How are you responding in your personal waiting room. Let's bow heads for a word of prayer. Father God, we're coming now again saying thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for guiding us, for protecting us, for keeping us, Lord. Lord, thank you for your word that was given to me in private so I could proclaim it to your people, Lord. Lord, we give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Go with the congregation as they receive a word from you, Lord. Remove any distractions that may be in their way and touch their hearts so they could Listen and hear from you, Lord. Lord, you know each and every one of us in this room. You know where we are, Lord, in our life right now. I ask that you pause and just touch each and every one. Keep a hedge of protection around this church. Go with Pastor Todd as he's traveling and his wife as he, and Miss Jenny as they're traveling back to Murfreesboro, Lord. Go give, give them traveling grace. And just use me in a mighty way as your newspaper boy delivering a word for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, waiting room. Waiting room. How are you dealing in your time of waiting? And speaking of time, what is your definition of time? What, what is the definition of time? Time is precious, and, and sometimes time is short. But how you use your time could, have, could reflect or could, could show the value that you place in it. How you use your time could reflect what you place your value in. What do you do with your time? What do you spend your time doing? Webster defines time as the measured 
or a measurable period during which an action or process or condition exists or continues. You see, time can be fun and time can also be boring. Some are probably looking at your time right now to see how long this sermon is really going to be. But time doesn't care what you have going on, and it surely does not conform to our schedule. Consequently, time spent waiting is never fun. Amen? Time spent waiting is never fun because waiting can be one of the most annoying and the most uncomfortable feelings in life. At least for me, time is annoying and it's uncomfortable because if you know me really well, I, I can admit to you that I am very impatient. I am very impatient. Anytime I'm driving through traffic, I'm always looking for the fast lane, and I'm always looking for that shortcut. And Miss Ebony gets on to me sometimes. She was like, your shortcut then turned into a long cut. What should have took five minutes is taking a little bit longer than expected. You see, can you think of a time where waiting is required? And that could be in the emergency room. It could be in the baby delivery room, even, even in the waiting area at your favorite restaurant. Maybe Chick-fil-A, you've seen those lines, and Starbucks wrapped around the corner for about five miles. You see, waiting is inevitable in our society. And we live in that society because waiting sometimes is seldomly required. And patience, and patience is seldomly needed. We live in this microwave mentality where we could just push a couple of buttons on the microwave and all of a sudden, popcorn could be done. We push a couple more buttons and then whatever that dinner meal that you have in your freezer is now ready to be devoured. We live in a world where technology allows us the opportunity to get things that we want immediately. Now, while technology is great and convenient, it has also displaced our value in patience, which is a fruit of the Spirit. So I want to give you an example, a, a real-life illustration example that, that I came up with. Remember back in the day, now, youth department, y'all take a really close look, maybe get some notes out because I'm going to take you back in time. There was this thing called the pager. Do y'all remember that? The beeper, the pager, there's a picture of it probably above my head. Yes. So we had this pager, right? And I'm talking to the youth group here, but we had this pager and you had to dial a number on, on your phone and call this pager and put your phone number in so that person can call you back. See, this was before cell phones, before cell phones. So you had this pager and when you wanted somebody to give you a call back, what do you do? You put your number and then you put 911 behind it. That means call me back immediately, before text messages, before iPhones, all that jazz. And when you get that page, you look at your page, and you go run to a telephone booth. <laughs> also pictured there, again, before cell phones, before all this technology we have today, you have this telephone booth, right? And then you call them back, and sometimes you don't have that number, or the number is messed up, and they missed a, missed a, a number, so you have to get your telephone book right? And then you look in your telephone book, and that's the white, that's the yellow pages, so that's businesses and things like that, but there's a residential pages as well, which is the white pages, but I'm taking y'all back in history now. Y'all follow me. All right, so you look in your telephone book, find the number, then you have to call a person, but the point of that, that illustration is to show you that sometimes you have to wait, especially if you really wanted that person to call you back, you have to wait for them to look at their page, go to the telephone book, find the number, go to the telephone booth, make that phone call, and you hope that you're on the other line. But waiting takes patience and time. 
It's not as convenient as we have it today, where you can just pick up the phone, pick up your cell phone, and dial a number, or send an immediate text. Waiting is uncomfortable, especially if you're waiting for God to answer your prayer, especially when you need that prayer right now. You're texting God, you're paging God, God, I need you right now, and you put 911 behind it as if God is governed to our time. But God is not governed to our time. Now, as we wait, the days and the weeks, they go by with no answer. And we begin to question, God, did you hear what I said? God, what is taking so long? God, are you listening? God, have you forgotten about me? So we begin to take matters in our own hands, which is never a good thing. So this morning, I will discuss three things for you. First thing we'll discover is what we should not do while waiting on God. The second point is what we should do while waiting on God. And then lastly, what God will do while we're waiting on God. Let me read verses 1 and 2 again. It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. What we should not do. While, wait, while we're waiting on God, these are things that we should not do. First, the text said that we should not fret, which also translated meaning do not worry. We shouldn't worry. The word do not fret literally can be translated as do not rage what to worry about what others have or what others do. We shouldn't look at our neighbors because we don't know what it took for that neighbor to get what they have, right? We look at our neighbors we're like, man, I want that or I want this, I want that but we don't know what God, what God brought them through or what they went through to, to get what, we, what they have. Secondly, the text tells us that we should not be envious of them either. We shouldn't be envious of what type of house they have, or what kind of car they drive, because, again, God could have took them through something to get what they have. We shouldn't be like this. We shouldn't be like this. And we all know a person that's envious of the person next to them. Hopefully, that person is not you. But I heard a pastor once say, that you do not know the story behind their glory. And basically what that means, we see the glory. We see the, the, the majesty and, and the greatness and the suits and all this other stuff, but we don't know the story of what it took for them to get where God has brought them. They could have gone through a lot of heartache, a lot of pain to get where they have, but we want the glory, but we don't want to go through the story. You see, the enemy's tactic is to take, us, take our focus off of God. He wants us to focus on what we are waiting for or what others have instead of focusing on God, the one who gives us everything that we have. Now, what does envy look like? How many times have we gotten jealous when someone else received a blessing? It could be a blessing of a healing, a blessing of this, or a blessing of that, and we get envious of what they have. But this behavior is, and this behavior is found multiple times in the Bible. Now, some examples are Cain was jealous of Abel, Joseph's brothers being jealous of Joseph. The prodigal son's brother was jealous at the, of the party that his father gave his brother who was out partying all night long and, and decided to come home. We shouldn't allow envy to creep into our life and it, because it would jeopardize our walk with God. We need to mature enough to allow God to handle the evildoers. Because, honestly, it's not our battle to fight. We need to stay in our lane 
and do exactly what God called us to do. We handle our part, and God will handle the rest. I want to give you a quick example, a quick literal example. You see, at my house, my job is cutting the grass, right? And I love my job. Yes, I have a ride a little more. I admit it, but my job is cutting the grass. And when I cut the grass, I don't worry about the weeds. Why? Because I have three children that specialize in pulling weeds, right? Right? Yes, I do. I admit it. There's three children that specialize in pulling weeds. You see, my job is the cutting, and their job is the pulling. And I can't overstep my boundaries as far as pulling up weeds, and they can't overstep their boundaries as far as driving my lawnmower. I have a John Deere. I love it a lot. They can't overstep their bounds. But the point of that illustration, we have to be in our lanes. You know, God does his part, and we should do our part. We can't cross over and do what God is supposed to do, as well as God can't go cross over and do what we're supposed to do. God gives us certain tasks to accomplish the goal, and he does his part, but we have to do our part. We can't overstep each other's boundaries. You see, it would be easy to allow our flesh to take over and control our actions, but God requires us to, de- to deny our flesh and to delay it and to follow him, to follow him. So you do your part, and God is going to do his part. All right, that's what we should not do. Now let's look at what we should do, what we should do. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what should we do? We talked about what we should not do. So therefore, what should we do? So now, while waiting on God, we should look up. Very simple. We should look up. And we must take our focus off things that are going around us and take our focus off the evil one. We must keep our eyes focused on the Lord. And more than that, we are to trust God. We are to trust him and commit our ways to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that we, would, we must trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all our heart, and lean not to our own understanding. You see, these verses teach us to live a godly life and to grow in love and knowledge of God which is what the godly life is all about, is the starting point for the right relationship with God. You see, faith is not only passive, but it's active. Faith is related to God and to others. That thing tied to faith is related to God as well as related to others. That is why in the verse it says in the words, and do good, and do good. It means that the person who is internally trusting in God will experience purpose and a plan for his life. This new life will express itself externally by doing good for others, by doing good for others. Therefore, when we trust in him, we will find delight in God. When we trust in him, we find delight in God. He is the perfection of grace, of compassion, of mercy, of kindness, peace, and love. He is the same as Jesus. God is the same as Jesus. And the better we know him, the more we will find delight in him. The, more, the, promise, is a, the promise attached to verse 4 is that we delight in God, and God will give us the desires of our house, of our hearts. Now, that doesn't mean that God will be giving us the foolish things that we ask for. He's not a genie, 
in a bottle that we have to rub and he grants us the three wishes, right? It means that if we are delighting in God and longing for God, that God would give us himself. Therefore, our desires will align with God's desires and the purpose for our life will will be aligned with God's purpose for our life. From birth, God has a plan for you. And he will provide for that plan if we allow him to be Lord over our life. We can't have two masters. We can't be a master of ourselves, Lord of ourselves, and also have Lord be Lord of ourselves. We have to give that over to God and align ourselves with him. Once we submit to God, then he will give us the desires of our heart, and our desires will line up with his. Therefore, he will give us the desires that we're looking for because our desires will line up with his. I can't go looking for a Lamborghini on a Toyota Camry budget. It's just not going to work, right? There was a story, and this is off the cuff here. There's a story um, when I first met Sister Ebony. I wanted a, it was a 2014, no, that was older than that. It was maybe a 2008 um, Mitsubishi Eclipse. It was, two, it was brand new. It was bright orange, and I wanted that thing so bad. And I worked, and I worked, and I worked. I'm like, I can afford it. I could afford the monthly payment, talk to the salesman, and everything. Got it all lined up. And Miss Ebony said, she said, uh, now, Josh, I know you can afford the car, but there's other things assigned to the car, like gas, insurance, you know, maintenance, all that stuff. And I was like, well, I could afford the car, but I can't afford the other stuff. Well, you shouldn't be getting the car. Same thing with God. If he aligns, he'll provide everything for us, but we have to make sure we fall in line with him. If he blessed you with a car, that doesn't mean you get the best and most expensive car if it's not in his will. Our will has to line with God's will. All right, let's look at the last point. The last point is what he will do. What we shouldn't do, what we should do, and then now what he, what God will do. As we read verses 5 through 7, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out all evil devices. Now, after talking about what we should do and what we should not do while waiting for God, now we will see what God will do. You see, this last point involves a personal commitment to God. Just as a marriage involves a personal commitment between a husband and a wife, God has committed himself to us, and we must commit ourselves to him if we are to be Christians. Once we fully commit, we do not need to worry about things going around us because God cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us best. It says, cast all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. Now, all means all, everything, all your anxieties, all your cares. Don't give them the things that that, that you you can easily let go. Give up those hard things as well. Those things that you really want to keep close, give it all over to God because he cares for you. And now you'll find that weight that was holding you back, you give it over to him. Now you can run a lot faster if you just give it over to him. You see, he is present in all of our circumstances, and he will manage anything that will come into our life. He's the great manager, can manage anything and everything that comes in our life. You see, this is good news because 
it will allow us to rest knowing that God's got it. If we give it over to him, now we're lighter, now we're freer, now we can rest in his greatness. We can rest in his glory, rest in his sovereignty, because God's got it. So when it tells us rest, that literally means rest. It means wait patiently for him. While we're waiting for God, God is working on our behalf. While we're waiting, God is working. He's not silent. He's working diligently for you. Now, he might not give you the full picture of it, but trust me, he's working in the background, working things out, working all things together for your good. God will bring forth his righteousness and his provision. All we need to do is just wait patiently and give God his plan and give God's plan time to work out. Again, talking about time, give God time, give him time, and his plan will work out. Now, we will see those others who do evil will flourish for a short amount of time. And again, we can't look at our left and look at our right and seeing who this person is and, man, they're doing evil and how they're prospering. God's got it. And they will look like they're getting ahead for a short time, but God will eventually take care of that. When will that time come? Or how long will you have to wait for God to take care of your enemies? And how long will you have to wait for God to give you the desires of your heart? And how long will you have to wait for God to answer this and God to do that? Only God knows. But the real question is, are you willing to wait patiently while you're waiting for God to answer your prayer? One last illustration in the form of application, and we'll be done this morning. In Tallahassee, when I was in school, we had a bus route, a centralized bus route right in the middle of campus, on Florida AM's campus, and it was called the set. And in that bus route, there was plenty of buses coming by from time to time. They all had different routes, but they would all stop right at the set, right at the centralized location, pick up people, and, and carry them on their way. Now, me being a student, having my book bag, I was very studious, and I had my Jansport book bag with my duck head and my shorts. I was ready to go. I'm sitting there waiting for my bus to come, right? And I knew what time my bus would come right after class, run to, the, run to that centralized the set and wait for my bus to come, and I could see it coming down the street. Now, as I'm looking and as it comes closer, I realize that that bus was not the bus I was waiting for. It was somebody else's bus. And as they got up, got on their bus, and passed on, I was like, all right, see y'all later. I'll see you next time. Dap it up. We keep, they keep going. Now, the next bus comes, and I'm looking down the street. I'm like, ah, that's not my bus either. My bus must be running late. What's going on? Then my doubts start flowing, and, and everything gets all crazy. I'm like, okay, that person goes by. I, now, I appreciate their bus coming by, and I appreciate them getting on their bus, and they're waving by, and they keep going their way but that's not my bus. I'm waiting for my bus with my route that takes me to my apartment that I can go to. So I'm continuing to wait and continuing to wait and continuing to wait. And finally, my bus shows up and I get on my bus and I go take my way home. But I cannot be, I couldn't have been jealous for the other one that had their bus. And when they bus come, I celebrate them as they get on their bus and go to their destination. But God designed me to go to my destination. God designed you to go to your destination. So don't get jealous when the other person get on their bus and go to their destination. That destination was not designed for you. God has a particular bus with a specific route just for you. So as you wait, don't get jealous of others. They might be doing wrong. They might be skipping the line. Don't get jealous of others. Just wait your turn. 
and God will bless you and lift you up in due season, in his time, during his time. But you got to wait for your bus. Are you willing to wait in your waiting room for your, your bus? Are you willing to wait for God to answer your prayer? That's the question today. Are you willing to wait while God is working in the background? Let us pray. Father God, we come.